0: Probably going to do uh, one more talk on this because this is really important. Though, since we started the awakening almost six years ago, this is the first time we've really talked about tithes and offerings and giving and that kind of thing. And and uh, it was just the the timing of the Lord. You know, we we never had like a strong unction to to teach on that, but now has been that time. And so last week we started with talking about the tithes mainly and just like why it's biblical from a, even from a new Testament perspective. Um, because there's some people that believe that the tithe was gone. There's no tithe in the new Testament. It's just like an old Testament thing. But Jesus actually said to the Pharisees, he was rebuking them. He said, woe to you, you scribe and Pharisees, because you tithe your mint, dill, and cumin, and but you neglect the and this you should do, but you neglect the weight of your matters of the law, like loving people. And so Jesus said, "What you're doing, tithing your mint, dill, and cumin, is good, but you, what, but you're neglecting what's super important, and that's loving people." Okay, and then and in, in, uh, Paul talks about you know giving to the giving to the church, giving to the, basically the ministry of the church. And we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 9 this week, but I want to just talk about really what, just to make sure that we're all on the same page, that tithing is giving 10% of your income. Or, and I like to say just whatever comes in, 10% of whatever comes in. So if you're a missionary and you're on support, what's, whatever support is coming in, then that you tithe on that. You know, and so, um, and then you can start having fun with it and try to up the percentage point every year. If you like to do that thing, you don't have to, but you can. God likes for you to test Him in this. That's what Malachi three says. God, this is the only place in the Bible that God asks us to test Him is in the tithe and the offering. All right. So the offering, what is that? When we say, oh, give your tithes and offerings, well, tithe is your first 10%, and then your offerings, whatever is above your tithe. All right? So, um, the tithe goes to the storehouse. And it's it's really kind of like a non-negotiable in the Bible. I look at tithing as like baptism and communion. It's like, one of those things that Gods has automatically this is part of Christian life this is a this is a commandment. Malachi 3:10 talks about bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Well what is the storehouse? In the Old Testament, the storehouse was where the tithe was collected, and it was given to the ministry of the Levites and the temple to keep up the temple and to help provide for the Levites. And so basically that's what the the tithe to the storehouse does. Your tithe helps support the awakening helps us pay for the building, helps, uh, helps me uh, make a living so I can do what I do in, in leading the awakening, and for Jesse and, and Jessica as well. And so the storehouse is whatever community you're being fed from, whatever church community you're being fed from. So that's up for you to decide what that is. But where are you being fed? And last week I said, you know, I'm not going to eat at the last resort and pay the bill at Transmet. I'm not going to eat at the last resort and pay the bill at Taqueria del Sol. I'm I'm going to give my tithe to where I'm being fed at, okay? The offering is a free will offering, so to speak, and is given according to what you desire to give towards. You have a heart for missions. You have a heart for the poor, for the homeless. You have a heart for uh, businesses, flourishing for whatever it is, then you get, that's what the offering, that's where you, you sow into that. It's like, man, we, for years, Jessica and I, we sowed into Elijah House. Elijah House is an inner healing ministry because we got so much freedom from that ministry. And so every, every month we, we gave a certain amount to Elijah House for years. And then Patricia King, she operates in the prophetic and in the evangelism. And so if you want, uh, if you want corn, in your harvest, then you plant corn seed. It's just real simple. It's, it looks like what happens in the natural. If I want corn, I'm going to plant corn seed. So I wanted to, we wanted to grow in the prophetic and in and evangelism. So we started planting corn seed. We started planting prophetic and evangelism seeds with Armani into Patricia King's ministry, which is called Extreme Prophetic. Shallow Place. That was Jack Frost's ministry, the, the revelation of the Father's love. We, I got this most profound encounter with God came through that guy's ministry when he came to Convergence, where I was, I sounded like an ambulance laying on the ground. And because I was, I got baptized in the Father's love. That's the best way to describe it because I felt this, it was like, honey or something. It was thick, weighty stuff on my head and came over my body. And I started sliding into the floor and Gary Galloway was one of our elders. I snotted all over his shirt. It was completely soaked. And then I kind of was recovering. Then Jack Frost came over there and it was round two. And I had more snot. I mean, it was just like I didn't know I could make that much snot. And it was all over his shirt, and I'm just crying, tears and tears. And God, what was happening was God's love was displacing all of this pain that was in my heart, all this pain, all of this wounding. And it was just like pushing all this pain out. It was coming out in the ambulance cry. It was coming out in the tears. And that's when Jack Frost... he whispered in my ear, he says, you don't have to be a big boy with a little father anymore. Now you can just be a little boy with a great big father. And that was... And uh, everybody... And see, what happened was is that you can't... uh, If you want to encounter with God, you can't request what it looks like. This was at the end of the ministry time. Things were quieting down. Everybody else... I mean, I was one of the... The altar ministry team, people sprawled out on the ground wailing. And I'm I'm doing hug ministry and I'm blessing them. And what had happened was I, that started dying down, started wrapping up, and I sat down in a chair and I started doing this. And Jessica was sitting beside me and she's like, Travis, what's what's going on? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And that's when it started, but everything was real quiet. And everybody was looking at me when this was going on. But you do not care when God is touching you. And so I, you have those thoughts in your minds like, man, everybody's, I'm wailing. And this is loud. And everybody's watching me. But you can hijack yourself out of that situation. Or you can cooperate with it. I'm just telling you, that's just a little tidbit on how to have an encounter with God. Don't hijack yourself out of it with your mind. Nick and Marlene Boyd, we love what they're doing with orphans in Mozambique. And the Bible is very clear to give to the poor, Old Testament, New Testament. And so that we always want to be sowing into the poor somehow as well as really what's in our heart. This is our heart, but this is something that the Lord's just like, you, you always have the poor with you, you know? And so we want to make sure that we take care of those people who are taking care of the poor. And so we sow into them on a monthly basis. And uh, we're not sowing in all four of these right currently, but these are just seasons that we've we've done, that we've had these. So... Part of what I want to talk about, we talked about the tithe and offering, and then we just reviewed that. But I want you to know that God has plans to prosper you. And so what do those plans look like? It looks like generosity, okay? Prospering looks like generosity. Jeremiah 29, chapter 29, verses 7 and 11 says, Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in it, many translations say welfare, prosperity, or peace. That word is shalom, which means all three. (laughs) So for in its shalom, its peace and prosperity, you will have shalom. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for shalom and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. So God has called us to be a blessing in the city. This is what it looks like to pray for the welfare of the city and to bless the city. You live in Athens. You may live where or wherever you live. What Jeremiah 29 7 is saying, give into that city. Sow into that city. Be generous. That's how I'm going to prosper you. And when you bless the city, I'm going to bless you. So this is what I'm not saying about prosperity, all right, because there is uh, perversions of prosperity that's out there in the body of Christ and that kind of thing. I believe God wants to prosper us. Um, when prosperity is the, is, the, is the main thing and Jesus is number two, then it doesn't work. It's when it gets twisted and it gets distorted and that kind of thing. So, I want you to know what I'm not saying to help you understand. I'm not saying that prosperity is a sign of your spiritual maturity. All right? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that it is God's will for all of us to be super rich, have mansions, and all that kind of stuff. I don't think God cares about that as long as it's not an idol in your heart. That's the deal. I'm not saying that poverty is more spiritual than wealth. Okay. Because you can have a poverty mentality and a poverty spirit and be, and be super rich or be super poor. It doesn't matter. You can both, there's, there are CEOs and there's billionaires who are, have a poverty mindset because this is how they, this is what they do with money. I, I, I can't have enough and I'm not going to let go of it. That's poverty mentality. And then there's poor people who have that where it's like, I'm a a victim. I can't let go of even the little that I have because I'm having absolutely nothing. So it doesn't matter. It's not, um, it does not discriminate, discriminate the poverty spirit. Discriminate. I'm not saying, and I'm not saying there's a formula or a recipe to the prosperity God wants to give you. I'm not going to tell you, so $50 a day and watch God pay your rent payment this month. All right. That's when I'm, there's not a recipe. There's not a formula. It's different for each and every one of you. You have to have, that's why you got to have a relationship with God. Cause you got to hear what he's telling you to do. And I'm not saying you can claim anything you want. That's so now God. I have friends and I have promises along these lines where God's like, I want to, I want to give you this certain thing. And he spoke it to you and you're like, all right, Lord, well, give me that thing. But I'm not going to try to make that thing happen. You know what I'm saying? sir? So that's what a lot of times happens is people get caught up in the promise and they pursue the promise. There's nothing wrong with the promise. You just got to, Jesus is very well capable to finish what he started, okay? So, 2 Corinthians 9, let's read this together. Paul is speaking, and he says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. While they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you, Because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. All right. So I want to break this down a little bit. So verse six is saying, so sparingly, reap sparingly, so bountifully, reap bountifully. So this is like basic cause and effect here. We see this in the natural. This makes this is very logical. And it's in its thought. This is kingdom of heaven. 101 sowing and reaping. This is kingdom of heaven. 101. You reap what you sow. God cannot be mocked. Everything's accounted for, whether it's money, whether it's your uh, actions. The world call you know, most of the world calls it karma. All right. They re- even the world recognizes the principle of reaping and sowing. But it's a, it started with God, all right? And so you sow to the flesh, you reap what the flesh produces, which is destruction. You sow to the spirit, you reap what the spirit produces, which is life. Okay, so whether God's telling you to invest your time over here or to invest your money right there or whatever it is, it will produce life when you're sowing it where God wants you to sow it. And the thing is, one, one kernel of corn produces hundreds of kernels of corn. So that's just God's telling us this is, has a multiplying effect to it. It's exponential. John chapter 3, verse 12 says, If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So this is why it's kingdom 101. It's like this is very plain in the earth. You see the pattern in the earth, okay? It's true in the kingdom. So it's impossible to have much and not be generous, okay? And so what I mean by this is for a child of God. So when you, when you have, when God's given you more and more and more, it's because you're giving away, all right? Does that make sense? So when you, if, you're, if you find yourself as like, God, I'm walking in abundance right here, it's probably because you're pretty generous with your resources, all right? And even this is the thing about God. It's the, the sowing and reaping principle is not limited to believers. It's, it pertains to non-believers because it's like the law of gravity. There is, all right, Oprah Winfrey gives money in the African humanitarian causes. She keeps having more money than she knows what to do with, okay, because she's sowing. She's generous with her money. All right i you know I don't know if Oprah believes in Jesus or not. I would place a bet in a certain area, but i'm not i don't know I'm not the judge, okay I would try to tell her about Jesus. I'll just say that, but i don't know i'm definitely I'm not the judge, but what I want is but she has. She does walk in that principle of sowing and reaping. She understands that, that the generous is just going to keep coming back to you. So being rich is about the heart. There's an anonymous quote that says, I've never been poor. I've been broke, but I've never been poor. All right? And so John the Baptist was spiritually, he was rich. But his, the lifestyle that God chose for him to live was out in the wilderness eating curds and honey and grasshoppers. But that was, the, that was, but he abounded. He was a wealthy man, okay, in many ways. So the fear of lack, this is what keeps us from being generous. This is the poverty spirit. The orphan of poverty mentality pops in up, up in us sometimes when we, when we think about giving. So we feel we will fear that we have nothing for ourselves if we give it away. This comes from a misunderstanding of who God is and who we are. Anytime fear crops up, we don't we don't have a Chip, chip. So this comes from a misunderstanding of who God is and who we are. So we're growing in this area, but to grow, you have to be stretched and you have to have growing pains, okay? So sometimes God is, the test is the challenge. He asks you to to give something that you've never done before. He asks you to do something that you've never done before. Because that's, the test is where God shows up. But if you're not being tested, if you're not risking, you don't get to see God show up. That's why it's important to have boldness and courage, all right? And so this pertains to our our finances as well. Paul says that God will make all grace abound towards you when you trust him with your money and that you will actually have an abundance for every good deed. I told you guys uh, last week, I'll just tell this story briefly again, but this is, this is a it's a testimony about doing what God tells you to do with the money, and also how He multiplies the seed that you sow. The first year Jessica and I were married, we had a fifteen hundred dollar income tax return, which was a huge amount of money for us at, at that time. It's still a lot of money. I would love fifteen hundred dollars, and so, um, and so we were like getting ready to start seminary in Fort Worth. We knew we had to start saving money for tuition, and the Lord says, give that $1,500 away. I want you to give half of it to uh, our friend, Joel Goddard, who had an itinerant ministry at the time, and I want you to give half of it to your church, who was doing a beautiful—our church at the time was doing a beautification project, which we did not agree with. They were putting up fancier trim. They were replacing carpet that did not need replaced. The sanctuary was beautiful. There was nothing wrong with it. But they were doing like a $50,000 beautification project. The We worked with the youth. The youth had to rent vans. We had to rent buses. We had to scrap. We didn't even have a place to meet. And we're like, man, why don't we do something for the youth? And so we were not in agreement with what the church was wanting to do. Thank you. But the Lord, but it's not about... The church. It's about the Lord, and uh, and we were and you can still disagree and, and treat people with honor, and so uh, we gave uh, seven hundred and fifty dollars to Joel, and we gave seven seven fifty to our church, and we weren't super happy about giving seven fifty to the church, other than when we when the Lord first proposed it to us, but when we gave it, we just were so confident it was the Lord because he gave us a couple of confirmations anyways. So our last Sunday at this church, they had me preach and they took up a love offering for me and they collected $6,000. And then before we could get out the door, we ended up, we had $8,000. And then before we could leave Georgia, we had $10,000. So God took 1500, turned it into 10,000 because we chose to obey him and what we were sowing that money into, regardless of what our agreement was with the church. It was a great church. We just happened not to agree on this one issue. But the Lord was like, I want you to honor these people with your money. Whether you agree with them or not. I'm going to see if I'm Lord over your finances or not. And so we, the Lord gave, we get, had $10,000 in our pockets that paid for our first uh, semester of tuition, and we also bought a washer and dryer that we needed to have and a few other things in and, and cash. And so this is what uh, we talk about when God will to grow you in this area. He's going to ask you to be stretched. He's going to stretch you. It's going to be some uncomfortableness, but that's the only way you discover more of God's grace. Is uncomfortableness a word? I don't care. Verse verse 9 says, He scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Woo! So this verse is actually paying a picture of Jesus' generosity by his sowing into the world. Just imagine Jesus with a bag of seed and he's just over the world, just casting it over the world. He's, He's casting out gifts to men. He's casting out righteousness. He's just, this is how he does. This is the way the Lord handles things. He's got open hands. He's not tight-fisted. So generosity is actually, according to verse 9, an expression of righteousness. Generosity is an expression of righteousness because it looks like Jesus. All right? So how do you know you're being transformed into the righteousness of Christ? You're becoming more and more generous with your resources. Jesus did not ever worry about being provided for. So if we're becoming more and more like Jesus, then that's the way our thinking needs to be. So I want to talk about bread and seed. Verse 10 says, What you take in is looked upon as two different things. It's either bread or it's seed. All right, so we're going to look at what bread and seed mean. So the tithe belongs to God. We've established that. And for me to put it anywhere else imposes my self-will on what is God's. So all of our money is God's. But that 10% is like this is already designated. This is not like you get to haggle with the Lord about this. This is like set aside for him. He's made, biblically, I believe he's made that clear. So Solomon was extremely wise. He was extremely prosperous that he did one thing that did not please the Lord. he made sacrifices to the Lord at the high places. Now he was sacrificing to the Lord, but he imposed his self will by doing it at the high places. That's where God didn't want him, the offerings at the high places. And so what Solomon did, his self-will entered the offering, and he tweaked what God had given clear instruction on. And so sometimes God tells us to do something, and then we, like, we tweak it. I'll throw a little Travis in there. The Lord may be like, Travis, give, I want you to give uh, $100 to this homeless ministry. And I was like, okay, I'll give $100, but I'm going to give it to... Uh, this ministry over here that help, that's in the prophetic. I go, Lord, I gave $100. You told me to give $100. He's like, no, but I told you to give $100 in this homeless ministry. So that's what I'm talking about that sometimes we do. We just like we like to tweak things, put our, little, our self-will in there. And the Lord, if he's truly Lord, then we do what he says. It's just like if my kids, I always use this because it's like, makes so much sense to me. If I said, hey, uh, don't go play in the road. And then they was like, well, I didn't play in the road. I walked across the road or, you know, I I did that kind of thing. But I didn't play in the road, dad. It's like, no, you were in the road. Like, get out of there. It's not good for you. So seed is what you plant for your future harvest. Seed is for sowing and investing one is for tomorrow, and the other is for eternity. Okay, so you, when you sow into the kingdom of God, you're sowing into eternity. And one day, that's going to be the only thing that matters, whether it's your time, your energy, resources. One day, it's going to be all brought. What you sowed into eternity is going to be right there before you. Were you faithful with what God has given you? So when judgment day comes, believers don't have to fear about, condemnation, uh, shame, hell, anything like that. What we're being judged on is what we were faithful with. And that's going to be how we reap a reward, heavenly reward for eternity. I had five talents. Did I invest those talents and get 10 more in return? Or did I sit on my five talents? I'm going to be in heaven either way, but what size mansion am I going to have? How much, how much is God going to have give me dominion over in, in heaven, whatever it looks like? You know what I'm saying? I don't even know if there's mansions, guys. I just, I don't, You're probably not going to care because Jesus is going to be there. You're like, Jesus, you're amazing. Oh, thousands of days and years. All right. There are seasons of life when we learn to trust God by going without. And these, these are from the Lord, too, where you're making it paycheck to paycheck. These can be from the Lord. I don't believe he wants you to stay there. But these can be seasons where you're like, all right, we're going to see God provide for our needs. And you learn that he will provide for your needs. In that season, God is grooming your heart to possess money with character. That's when you're faithful with the small thing. God, I got $10. I made $10 this week. Here's $1 that could buy me 10 packs of ramen noodles. But I'm going to give it to you, Jesus. That's when, he, that's when he sees if you're going to possess with character. Many people can't handle a lot of money because their trust level begins to break down. So they start trusting in the money as the more and more that they get. So how much money is too much money to have? However much causes you to stop trusting God. So if you start making 30 grand a year and you're making 20 and you're just like, man, I'm on easy street. Jesus, I thank you. I don't need you anymore. Then that's too much money for you. <laughs> it doesn't matter. However much causes you to stop trusting God. So there's coming a day, where I said, where the only thing that we're going to be judged on is this, how we used our seed. The parable of the talents and the minas are about investment. God's government is devoted to increase and advancement. This is why I believe God wants to prosper you. Isaiah 9 says there's not, there will be no end to the increase of his government. So what does God's government look like? What does heaven look like? Is there any lack in heaven? No. There's joy. There's peace. There's righteousness. There's abundance. That's what he wants it to look like in the earth, and it's increasing. But he needs faithful stewards to give that to. Psalm 126, verse 6 says, He goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. All right? So there was a... uh, a man that was a missionary in Africa and he saw some of the native women that had a bag of seed and they were they were planting the seed in their crops and they were crying as they were planting the seed and the reason they were crying is because they were so hungry they wanted to eat the seed but they knew if they ate the seed, there would not be bread for the next four months. If they could go hungry a little while longer, then it would give them bread much longer than what that seed could satisfy them for. And so they were, they were sowing in tears. God, here's the seed. And that's, that is sometimes the suffering of obedience like we've talked about before here on Sunday mornings is that Jesus learned obedience to the things he suffered. And so sometimes a. Obedience is that painful, uncomfortable thing that stretches you and causes you to grow. And it's a suffering of sorts because you're like, oh, God, I've never trusted you with $1,000 before. And how am I going to pay my bills? But here you go. Oh, man, what's going to happen? That's the suffering of obedience. But then the Lord shows you, look at this. I'm gonna give. I'll give you so much more in place of this thousand dollars, and you realize, and then that's where in that moment's where you learn God's heart for you. It's like, wow, God, you really, you really meant what you said, and you really came through. You're faithful. You truly are faithful, and I know that now because I took the risk, and I suffered. You know, went through the, the the suffering of obedience, and it brings that joy. And So these women, they're obeying. You know, they're, they, they're hungry and they want to eat that seed, but they know that their obedience to plant that, plant that seed is going to produce a harvest that will be much more sustainable and be much more of a blessing and feed them for much, much longer. Paul said that the Corinthians' generosity produced thanksgiving in him. Now, that's pretty cool. How many times have somebody given you an extravagant gift, you're like, Wow. Thanks. And it makes you feel so valued and it makes you feel so blessed. And you're just, I can't believe you did that. Wow. This is amazing. This is over the top. This is how Paul was feeling. So we have the opportunity to do something that brings someone else closer to God because they give thanks to God because of our generosity. So your generosity can actually cause a God encounter for somebody and actually cause them to give thanks to God and cause them to move closer to God, whether they're a believer or not. And so I, had a, I bought a pair of Air Jordan sneakers a couple years ago. And they looked good, but they didn't, they didn't fit exactly right. And uh, I was going to try to return them. But then there was a guy at my work who's a uh, Jehovah's Witness. I was like, I'm going to give thee. And he was the only guy that had a foot as big as me, too. I wear a size 14. I should be like 6'5". Yeah, but uh, he, uh, so I went to work and I gave it to this guy. I said, hey, man, that's, I know we're about the same foot size. These aren't working for me. I've only worn them once. I just want to bless you with them, man. He's like, whoa. And this, this guy doesn't have, a, doesn't have a lot of money or anything. And he just, you know, he was very thankful and just gave, gave thanks and, and was, you know, he would wear them to work and they look good and they're functional. He liked them a lot. And so it's just like I wanted, if I try to argue with, how many of you ever argued with a Jehovah's Witness? Okay, how many of you know because there is a spirit of deception on them? It's it's nothing's gonna like get through the brain. So what what you have to do is obey the counsel of the Lord to get them in. And uh, and so this is just one of the ways. Is like I want you just to bless this guy, and it's just gonna it's just a way of like pushing him a little bit closer to me. So I never argued with him. Um, I just tried to bless this guy as much as I could. He would, he would get injured. First time I said, hey, man, can I pray for your injury? He's like, no, nah, man, I'm good. Because, I mean, he knows I'm a Christian. And uh, then he had another injury. And I said, hey, uh, is it okay if I just pray for you? And he, he, this time he let me pray for him. And then I texted him later. I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm continuing to pray, and I just want you to get healed, man. He said my, what was it at that time? It was that he had torn a peck, and he, he was just like, thanks. He said there's no pain this morning. It's like, since you've been praying, he said there, there hasn't been any pain. He still had, like, the injury, but there was no pain. He could had full range of, of, of movement. And so it was just those little things. It's was like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to – I can't have a theological argument. There's not – apologetics isn't going to work with this guy. i got to, like, bless him and find ways to do that. The giving the bonus check away, I was head trainer at, for a time at the Omni. And um, I just – when we got sales in January, it was a, the busiest time of the year for gyms. And I got a bonus check because we hit a sales goal. And I was just like, you know, I don't, the trainers are, are the ones that make this happen. So I'm just going to give all these, I'm going to split my bonus check up and give it to these trainers. And it wasn't much. It was like $15 a person. But I just wanted these guys to there. I was like, listen, I I appreciate what your, your hard work and that this is, this is, I get this bonus check because you guys are the, doing the work, you know? And, um, so I wanted to give it away to them because they they were deserving of it. It's those things that build in you. They're like, maybe Jesus isn't so bad. <laughs> maybe Jesus wants to bless people because a lot of times the, the image of Jesus is he's just asking you to, he's asking of you all the time. He's asking of you. Instead of like, hey, I want to give you something. I want to give you salvation. I want to give you resources. Proverbs 25, verses 21 through 22. This is the Passion Translation, which is kind of like the message. It says, is your enemy hungry? Buy him lunch. Win him over with your kindness. your Your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience. And God will reward you with favor. So I love the way that says your generosity can awaken somebody's conscience. It can it can be like the prodigal son, where it says he came to his senses, and so people will see Jesus through your generosity and will wake them up. It's like Jesus isn't who I thought he was, and they'll come to him. So your generosity awakens people to the goodness of God. So what is bread? First Timothy chapter six says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, to not set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. That's the key phrase, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So who are the rich? Anyone in Jesus. Anyone in Christ Jesus are the rich. Because we have access to heaven through him. And bread is for enjoyment. It's for delight. It's for nourishment. So ask the Lord, whatever you take in, you have your tithe. And then above that, you're like, God, is this, say you get like a gift. Sometimes I'll get a, somebody will give us money or something And I'm like, God, is this bread or is this seed? What do I do with this? Sometimes it's bread, and then sometimes he tells me it's seed. Sometimes he tells me it's bread. And so that's what you do with it. It's like, God, is this for me? Is this a blessing to me, or is this to be a blessing to somebody else? Then there will eventually be another blessing to me. (laughs) So money is not evil. The love of money is evil. So, wisdom before money. Proverbs 8 says, I love those who love me. This is wisdom speaking. And those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. So, don't pursue money, pursue wisdom first. This is what Proverbs tells us. If you pursue wisdom, God will give you money. Because wisdom, what's the first thing about wisdom? The fear of the Lord. So God will always be number one in your heart when you have wisdom. Therefore, he can give you money. I, told, I said this last week. Why is, why is there so much scripture on money? It was an important topic. It's because money is the number one competitor with God for your provider. He wants to be your provider financially. He wants to be your provider emotionally. He wants to be your provider physically. It competes with him. And God is a jealous God. Enemies don't stand very long in his presence. So it is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Now, what does this mean? There is increase that comes with sorrow. And there's increase that doesn't come with sorrow. I'll give you an example from my life. I have experienced increase with sorrow. Because it was Jessica and I's idea. We, when we lived in Fort Worth, we had everybody had a house except us. And we're like, we've got Josiah. I mean, we've got to have a house. We've got kids. There's nothing wrong with getting a house when you start having kids. It's just that me and Jessica weren't ready financially to do that. It's like, we got, we got to have a house. We got to have a house. We need a house. Lord, give us a house. But we were praying. Ezekiel talks about when you pray through an idol, you will end up getting that thing. It's intense. And so we had this idol. We need a house. And. A word to the wise, if if uh, somebody has to help you with the down payment to get into the house, you probably can't afford the house. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting help. I'm just telling you, like, if you're just like, don't, don't stretch yourself. I had a, one of my professors in seminary says, find a house you can afford and then buy one about $20,000 less. And so I was like, that's. That's a good word. But, uh, so anyways, for us, not I can only, you know, speak for Jessica no. this house became an idol. And so God actually spoke to me about my house. We were looking at houses and I was on my way home from work and the Lord said, in three days, you'll have your house. I was like, okay. And I was like, God, can you confirm that? I mean, I just feel, you know, I'm. Seeking the Lord about this house. And uh, so we were watching American Idol. Don't don't judge us. And uh, Ryan Seacrest was like, three competitors, three songs, three nights. And, and, you know, and I was just like, whoa, threes. And uh, so that was like on a Tuesday. Friday, we got the call from the realtors like, the house you want is that they're ready to go so it's three days we got the house now when we we got into the house it was a great house beautiful house big house much bigger than the one we have now but we it was going to be like there could be no wiggle room for us to afford that house like we had to make exactly what we made or more but then even that was just like oh man it's going to be tight. And so, but we we went into the house, we we bought it, we moved in, and then we had some things happen. I was working, uh I decided that it was the Lord's will for me to quit my job because I was going to live by faith. And God will tell you to do that sometimes. Sometimes. But, and so Jessica was pregnant with Zuri, and she started tutoring, and I was taking care of Josiah, which was a train wreck, because I would play with Josiah all day. And the in the uh, and then Jessica was like, "Well, did you uh, like unload the dishwasher? Did you vacuum?" I was like, "No, nah, but man, Josiah had a great time." And Jessica was just she was starting to carry the weight of all this. I eventually realized that. Not working was a bad idea, and I got. That's when I started personal training. I started personal training at LA Fitness, and um, started off in doing personal training sales, which I didn't like very much. And then I moved to doing being a personal trainer, which was I, I did enjoy. But in that time frame was when the Lord told us that um, we're going to move back to Georgia, and we did have lots of confirmation about that. And so I told my boss. I was like, hey, man, like in the next year, at some point, we're going to move back to Georgia. I just want to let you know, just trying to help this guy. Like, I don't want to blindside you. I was trying to be honest and upfront with him. Well, he stopped giving me clients. So my paycheck every month was just going down lower and lower. And then because we're transitioning out of convergence, the, my uh, salary that I was getting from them, they, they really needed to put that money somewhere else and kind of plan for the future, which I agreed with. And so that was taken away. And so, and then the land tax changed on our house, and our house payment went up 300 extra dollars the next year. So we created, it was like a $2,000 deficit that was created in six months. That's how we got in the $17,000 of credit card debt that I was telling you about last year, or last Sunday, and that how the Lord, when we moved back here and we're like, God, we just, We're done. We're done not trusting you. We're done with like thinking what we need. And, uh, Lord, you just provide the basic necessities. We'll give you thanks. And so that first year we moved back in Georgia, we made $24,000 total and we paid down about $4,000 of debt. And like three years ago, we got out of credit card debt, but we were not making very much money, but the Lord supernaturally helped us get out of debt. And all this is to say is that God will give you what you want sometimes in order to bring you back to him. It's just like with the Israelites, they're like, give us a king, give us a king. He's like, here you go, here's a king. It's not a good idea, but here's a king. (laughs) And so that is why God has to be first. Before money, before possessions, before what you think you need. And even when we moved into our house, I just asked the Lord to forgive us for our arrogance. Me and Jessica, we like shake our heads. You ever look back on some of the things you did in life, you're just like, oh, Lord, have mercy. And that's that's what Jessica and I do because my parents had gotten the house that we currently live in ready for us. And and Jessica and I were like, there's no way with three kids we're going to be able to live here longer than nine months. Now we're like, Jesus, we're not moving. Unless it's like Gabriel tells us to move. And so so we were, it was, that was, that was how it was. But the Lord did this thing where he's like, get rid of that idol that you have. I gave that to you. Now you saw what that did for you with that idol, how it provides for you. Now it's time to come back. He was so gentle and good with us. But that was a hard two years that we were in that house. And so, that is what it means. We increased, but there was a lot of sorrow to it. And when the Lord gives you something, there's no sorrow. Does that make sense? There is no sorrow. That's not a burden. You're not trying to carry that thing. When the Lord increases you, there's absolutely no sorrow to it. All right. So whenever blessing and increase is the result of pursuing something else, there's no sorrow to it. But when blessing and increase is the result of pursuing wealth, sorrow is attached to it. That's why you have professional athletes, millionaires, who are miserable. Because there's sorrow attached to that increase. Because God's not first. So he who waters, we're going to wrap this up. There's one who scatters and yet increases all the more. There is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. He who withholds grain, the people will will curse him, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like the green leaf. God wants you to prosper. So give away what you need. That's the principle of the kingdom. Give away what you need. You need encouragement? Encourage somebody. You need money? Give some money away. God celebrates the person who uses their labor to bless the city they live in. It's not wrong to be like, hey, you know, Jesse's got a a DJ service. He charges people in our church to use that service because it's it's an awesome thing and it's a blessing. And sometimes in church culture, we're like, hey, man, I go to church with you. Can I get that for free? That's not honoring that person. You're not placing any value on them. There's a there was a guy convergence who was a DJ too, and he normally charged like three thousand dollars for a wedding, and people would ask him like, "Hey man, can you do my wedding?" and uh, and uh, he started doing it in good faith that they would they would pay him, and then they they'd end up just like, "Thanks man, it was so awesome," then give him a, a dime. That's not honoring. You're showing very little value for that person when you do that. And that's not the way God rolls. And so we, there's times where we're, we want to gift somebody with something like that. We can do that. But in the church, we're not going to, hey, I go to church with you. I get stuff for free. That's not, that's, we don't do that because it's, like I said, we, I value, if I was getting, if Jesse was DJing for me, I want him to know that that's valuable to me. Okay. So promised land living is this is a key. When you're in the wilderness, God's keeping you alive. That's the day-to-day. That's the month-to-month thing where He's teaching you that He's going to provide for you, manna every day. Quail meat, water from a rock. All right. But when you go into the promised land, why did the manna stop? Why did the the, the water from the rock stop? Because he was bringing you into a place of abundance. And so the miracles, like they were in the wilderness, are no longer to keep you alive, but to advance you and your effect that you have on the course of history. So the abundance that you have in the promised land, which is in Jesus, is meant to give it away, to be generous. You're not just trying to survive, but you're living from a viewpoint and a position of abundance. The the training for the promised land that was in the wilderness is you learn how to go without. That way you can go with. That way you can properly steward things. So we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. That's Winston Churchill. So I love that. Make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. So these are awakening core values that we have. Stewardship, not ownership. The declaration is. What I have is God's, and what God has is mine. Give, and it shall be given, giving as a lifestyle. I experience my Father's heart through the joy of giving. All right, so I want you to stand up. This is, we're gonna, this is a declaration of our offering. We're going to declare this. We'll have uh, Drake come up here in just a little bit, and this is going to be the time. We're going to have regular offering times at the Awakening uh, from here on out because it's just something that God is pointing out. We haven't done that. We've always just been like if you have an offering gift put it in the, in the uh, tithe box and we still have that if you want to give check or cash, whatever, but we're going to, we're, we're, God is just really saying be more intentional with the resources I've given you and we want to declare the truth of God over our giving because your giving is, is truly an act of worship. And so it needs to be a part of our worship service. So y'all read this with me, starting from the top. As we pray for new wells of revival, we pray for new economic wells in Athens to be created. So Lord, we ask you for favor for our city with CEOs, government leaders, and kings, manufacturing firms that produce goods for the nations and provide new jobs for our people. Technology to establish new markets, energy sources, and efficient solutions to grow as a population. Laws and courts that measure with the justice and the freedom of our land's constitution. Civil servants that encourage entrepreneurs and a media known for wisdom and truth. Natural resources released, harvested, sold, and reproduced. Education, books, and universities that develop mind molders who influence the influential. Capital to build small businesses that provide services, arts, and culture, attracting both young and old. Medical community known for integrity and excellence. Repentance from poverty, small thinking, and envy. Courage to recognize opportunities and make wealth. Abundance to bless the world and the prudence to save and invest. Revelation to pass on wealth to our children's children. So we declare that when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So let's declare this together as well. I am on a generosity rampage. I put my dollars to work as soldiers for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So.